Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Interventional Endoscopist Podcast. I'm your host, Amun Kubel Suchdev, and thank you for those of you who have been listening. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or at least share the word. Um, I do post on social media, primarily Twitter and LinkedIn. And uh, if you reached it through here and you thought there's something valuable, please forward it to friends and colleagues who might also find Today in my podcast, I'm going to talk about um, artificial intelligence in gastroenterology. Um, I want to explore this fascinating world and its significant impact on the field of GI. Um, there's been a lot of advancements, and it's a really hot topic. In fact, there's several other podcasts talking about it now, several interviews, and, and many companies that are coming up and, and putting their foot forward in the AI space. You know, we'll start today, though, talking initially about my thoughts on it and how it's helped my practice and and and, um, and my partners and things like that. So the first thing is, you know, AI is here, whether it be in GI or any other aspect of medicine. And, and I was, you know, a little bit apprehensive of it when it first came out, to be very honest. Um, and the first time I had heard about it was in the radiology departments. I have a good colleague and good friend of mine here in Phoenix who tweets a lot about radiology issues, and he goes under the moniker at uh, Dr. Money Matters, uh, DR Money Matters. He started his uh, Twitter um, career, if you will, on uh, financial matters that physicians need to learn about, but he's also talking quite a bit about radiology and the practice of radiology. So we, we were at dinner one night, and we just brought up we the issue of AI, and this was about four or five years ago. I said, aren't you afraid that um, AI is going to take your job? Aren't you afraid that um, you know, you're not going to be needed in the future? And in his, his uh, view was slightly different than what I had initially thought, you know, because, again, as, as any human being, we're always a little apprehensive to give up control of what we do, whether that's your job or your family or your home or whatever it is. You just, you want to hold on to your things and not let other people drive your car, so to speak. And he felt like, no, you know, AI is going to help us be better, but we need to have uh, the doctors to be able to approve it. And, you know, at this day and age, no one's going to just allow a computer to read it. And maybe that does happen at some point, but he feels like humans are always going to be needed. It's a little bit different in the GI world. I, I think we have that fear, but we don't have it as much. And uh, and one of those reasons is that we we still need to do the procedures. And as of right now, the computers are not going to be doing the procedures for us. Could that happen? Sure. I mean, absolutely. You know, anything's possible with training of computers and machines. And you know, a lot of this feels like Isaac Asimov's uh, book of iRobot. But honestly. At the end of the day, our core responsibility is to do better patient care. And I am in the camp of people who feel that artificial intelligence helps us do that. Um, the most notable thing in GI, obviously, that we're talking about right now is um, uh, computer-aided diagnosis and computer-aided computer detection. So polyp detection is the thing that's getting the most publicity, although... Computer-aided detection, um, sorry, computer-aided diagnosis is also very important. Um, and so the notable thing for me personally has been polyp detection. But, you know, AI has been there for us in some form, even with our capsule endoscopes. When 
we first started doing VCE around, I think it was maybe 2002 or three. Uh, the initial readers that Given made uh, did have an AI type of program that gave you a little red marker when you know it saw blood, and and that's still there. So you know AI has been there, but now we're getting to the point where it's helping us pick up polyps, as most of us know. So when we talk about AI in gastroenterology, there's two kind of categories that most papers and experts are talking about. One is CAD-E and the other is CAD-X. CAD-E is for detection and CAD-X is for diagnosis. So we're going to kind of briefly touch upon both of these concepts in evolving. So as far as detection is concerned, it's exactly what it is. It is a program or a software or machine that is designed to help us detect lesions. Where we're seeing that a lot right now is in polyp detection. So in the United States... There are three CAD-E devices available. GI Genus by Medtronic, Scout by Iterative, and Vision AI that's being co-branded with Microtech. The most popular one at the moment is GI Genius by Medtronic. It was the first one to the market. My Belief is it's been out for, at this point, 18 to 20 months now. My group was able to get it last summer, so we've been using it for a year. I looked at some preliminary data where I um, looked at seven months of data, which um, I basically looked at the day, first day we had it to the next seven months, and then I looked at the same time frame a year before when we didn't have it. And what I've kind of noticed is that initially when it was being sold to us or we were told about it that we were, you know, everyone was telling us how much it was going to improve ADR and, and you know, how much revenue it was going to bring. And the reality is that the ADR hasn't improved as much as we thought it was going to be. Um, it does improve a lot for people whose ADRs are under 40. And when you hit that 40% mark, if that's your native ADR or adenoma detection rate, then the benefit is a little bit less. And, and when you get more than 45 or 50, you really don't see any benefit. In fact, we had one guy whose ADR came down slightly, but not in a significant number. It was like 1%, so which could easily be explained by differences in volumes and, and uh, time of the year and or you know, timing of his life or whatnot. Um, but there are several other uh, detection units that are available around the world. Uh, so I mentioned GI Genius and Scout as well as Vision, but there's also Caddy Vision. Fuji has one that they call it Caddy or Caddi, C-A-D-I. Endobrain by Olympus is out. Pentax is making one. There's another one called DocBot. Endoangel AI for GI is another company, and NEC. Most of these haven't made their way over here to the stage. Eventually they will. And it's going to be interesting to see how that happens because I think ultimately what will happen is the scope manufacturers are going to be able to just include it with their processors. And whether they choose to charge you uh, an upcharge or a subscription fee, that's yet to be decided. Knowing how the world is going with technology, subscription fees fee seem to be the best way or the most profitable way for companies to go, but, you know, we'll see how they do that. Um, 
I think Medtronic does have a little bit of an advantage by being first to market, and that too by a large time frame. And also they introduced a new concept, um, which is very similar to our phones uh, or Android or iOS, where you have a marketplace. And eventually the, their box, I believe their vision is for their box to be available and you can upload whatever program you want. So you could have GI Genius, but maybe you don't love Medtronic's pilot detection program and maybe you love, you know, Microtechs or Iteris or whatnot. And you could just upload that onto their um, onto their marketplace. That's kind of where I think they're going to go with it, but obviously it's brand new. I don't know. They may have restrictions, but, you know, I think that's kind of what we can expect is that your, your scope processor or your AI box is going to be your phone, and then you can put whatever programs that they sell or they uh, allow you to purchase on there. So something to watch out. Um, I think um, we'll get a little bit more into the experience here with uh, polyp detection. For me personally, it's helped me immensely. I think it's really good. Uh, when we were trying to get it into the program or into the group, a few of our partners have extremely high, uh, almost abnormally high ADRs, and they didn't think they needed it. And that's a common theme that you hear around the United States with a lot of physicians that saying that, well, already, I'm already good enough. I don't need to be better. But I heard a really, really interesting um, um, comment the other day on another podcast, on another podcast by Dr. Sanjay Janeja, um, where he interviewed Dr. Michael Byrne, who is with Satisfy Health, which is an AI platform that's looking a lot at uh, detection and diagnosis of disease getting into the CADEX world. But he made, Dr. Byrne made a really good comment where he said, even if you can improve 1% on polyp detection, you can individually affect each person's risk of dying from cancer by at least 3 to 4%. And, and I may be misquoting the exact number, but there was a huge um, benefit, even just with a 1% increase in ADR. And, you know, Dr. Janeja, who's a oncologist um, and a podcaster, was pretty alarmed during that podcast by the fact that, you know, a lot of physicians are apprehensive or um, averse to using AI because they already feel that they're good. So my question to people who are naysayers to AI polyp detection is that most of the physicians I know in Arizona are driving uh, Teslas, and almost all of them are putting them on auto drive so they can you know, check their text messages, return calls, or just space out while they're driving home after a long day or you know whatnot. And 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 if you as a physician or as a gastroenterologist are willing to put your lives and your own lives in the hand of a computer and drive at seventy-five to eighty-five miles an hour with you know, auto drive, which is an AI solution, um, but you won't use it for your procedures to help your patients. I, I find a huge disconnect there. Now, of course, not everyone has a Tesla. Not everyone's using auto drive. But the point being that your your pilot that flies your airplane is using autopilot. He's sitting there controlling the plane, but really the computer's doing a lot of that work for him. So we trust pilot to use a computer or artificial intelligence to fly a plane when you're God knows how many thousands of feet in the sky in a metal tube 
and you trust an AI solution to drive your car for you at, at high speeds, but you're apprehensive to do something that could potentially increase your ADR a percentage point, two percentage points, or even more. And so that's kind of my soapbox about it to, to people who are naysayers. And honestly, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, it's here, and it's not going away. You know, Pandora's box has been opened, as we say, and now we have to learn how to uh, use it. Um, the other kind of AI solution that's out there is CADEX or, you know, for diagnosis. And currently, um, I know Satisfy, which I mentioned earlier, is working on some solutions for that. But um, the one that's kind of got the most uh, pull right now is Iterative. Uh, Virgo, who I've covered in an earlier podcast, are also getting into that space as well. And both of these are going to be really phenomenal. They're currently focusing on IBD to try to help identify patients that they can put in the studies and whatnot. But um, I think, you know, CAD-X is going to be great where we are looking at Barrett's, you know, where we're looking ultimately at an endoscopic ultrasound solution program that will allow us to identify which pancreatic cysts are likely to be malignant, which ones need to be biopsied. You know, we're already using a version of AI in, in EUS with um, elastography, you know, which is not truly an AI, but it's something that helps you, assists you in diagnosing what you need to do. So a lot of different um, AI solutions out there that are, are helping out. My experience, like I said earlier and a couple times before, has been, has been positive. For me, it's made me better at what I do um, in terms of polyp detection. Now, you can say, well... You know, such that you're a crappy endoscopist if you got better. Well, you know, I am a therapeutic guy and I spend most of my time doing therapeutic procedures. But, you know, I, I, I think doing a screening colonoscopy with AI makes me better. And um, and at the very least, it makes me slow down a little bit. You know, um, yeah, there was maybe a marginal increase in our group in withdrawal times across the board, although we had a few doctors who already had extremely high uh, which are all times, something like uh, 1,200 seconds um, or something along those lines. And they were able to bring their withdrawal towns, uh, times down by 10 to 20% and still maintain a very good and even better, uh, in one case, better ADR. Um, so anyway, what, what do I, you know, after all that, what else can we expect from ADI or AI in, in, in the GI space? So... I have a lot of thoughts of what we need AI for. Um, one of them, obviously, is uh, you know we have a need to improve our practice efficiencies. I think AI can be extremely helpful uh, in note writing. Currently, a lot of people are either using Dragon or some dictation method or methodology. They're using templates that are available in their EMRs. Many people are using scribes. I personally am not a fan of scribes. I tried that before, and it just, for me personally, it didn't work. Um, you know, uh, we use G-Gastro or G-Med, made by modernizing medicine in, in our practice, and uh, we are able to configure templates for dysphagia and for abdominal pain and, and for rectal bleeding and things along those lines. And those can be really quick and easy to use. Um, but I personally started using a program called My GI Health. Right, and I'll, I'm going to talk a little bit about that more in another podcast because I think it's got its own little topic. It's not truly an AI solution; it's more of a practice efficiency solution. 
But, um, and, and just very briefly, it's a program that was created by Dr. Spiegel over at Cedar sinai uh, that um, allows you to send a link to a patient beforehand and they're able to fill in a questionnaire and it sends you a fully written out HPI. Uh, they're using it for population data studying, but I'm using it to help make my notes more efficient and better. But an AI solution to help with note writing, both in the office and in the endo suite, are where I think there's a lot of benefit from that. And and what does it, you know, if an AI solution for note writing does come out, which I know several of the companies who already have um, detection software are working on, what will that mean for the remainder of the EMR industry? What will that do for modernizing medicine or to them? How will they, you know, have to work with it? Probation, um, you know, all scripts, uh, e-clinical works, et cetera. Like these ones that don't have these massive multi-billion dollar contracts with hospitals um, around the country or a million dollar, the dollar amount is, but these massive contracts because like Epic and Cerner, what will it do for these other ones? And will AI basically replace them? Um, so what I'm doing right now, when I do an endo documentation, you know, my workflows, I do my procedure, I take my pictures. Um, then when we're done, we put our findings in and, uh, based off the finding then our, um, endo tech or nurse or myself create the orders to send to the pathology lab. Artificial intelligence can automate almost all of that. You know, you take a picture with smart learning, it'll tell you, okay, that's the sequel, that's the cecum, that's the appendiceal orifice. It can mark those pictures for you once it recognizes it. And then it could create the finding of the label. And then AI can actually help measure the pulp. Many of us um, try to measure uh, um, the polyps, you know, based off of the naked eye. We don't have actually great measuring tools. There are rulers, that, endoscopic rulers that you can purchase, but they're really not going to be very impactful in your day-to-day practice. Uh, they're expensive, and so you, you don't need those. But if an AI solution looks at the polyp and says, no, that's not an 11-millimeter polyp, that's an 8-millimeter polyp, or vice versa, that obviously is going to affect the outcome. Um, I What I would love to see is that the entire note, including um, you know what you find and what you see, gets put in there, and then the recommendations get populated up for you based off the current uh, guidelines. And you can pick, okay, well, you know, if, if you found three large polyps, maybe it automatically says, you know, this patient should have a repeat colonoscopy in three years. And maybe you don't agree with that and you think it should be done one year because maybe the prep wasn't great or maybe for some reason your clinical judgment is that, no, I think this would be okay to do in five years. You know, obviously guidelines are there to guide us and we're supposed to follow them, but we also have to put clinical uh, gestalt or thinking in the process. So it populates suggestions for you so you can face that note and get out of there. Um, I think anything that makes us faster is is better. Um, another where another place where AI will be very helpful is in practice efficiencies. You know, can an AI program run in the background and look at what time did the patient show up, what time were they checked in, what time did they go back to get their IB put in, how long did the IB take, and, you know, look at the anesthesia data, and can it start to help us formulate algorithms where we can make patient care faster, and it can allow us to adjust as the day goes on so that we can get an extra procedure in, or we can make the day more efficient and compact. So, you know, that's there. As far as pathology is concerned, I think there's a big need for AI outside of just what's been worked on with IBD. I think there's a big need in Barrett's 
I think there's a huge need in cholangioscopy. Uh, the reason being that as it's an evolving field, we still don't all understand what's normal, what's not normal. And, you know, I think the more images we can get cholangioscopy, AI can help us understand where to biopsy, especially when you're dealing with these tiny little cholangioscopic biopsy forceps that get you, you know, just a smidge of tissue. If you can use AI to target your biopsies better, then that's a win for the patient and, and for, for, um, for medicine. Um, you know, Virgo and Iterative are working with companies to identify clinical trial patients, and I think using artificial intelligence in that world is, is a no-brainer. Um, another place where artificial intelligence, which is, this is a different type, it's not in the CADI or CADX, but in the virtual realities realm is in training. Recently, um, one of our Medtronic reps was in the hospital, and I had asked her, I said, you know, I'm really interested in learning about this Prodigy device, which is um, an ESD clip and, and um, you know, wire slash snare that helps you kind of lift a polyp as you're cutting it. And she didn't actually have um, or a demo unit on her, but she did have this Oculus that she had me put on. And they're discontinuing this, but I thought it was really cool that I was able to use an Oculus and then essentially do a virtual ESD. And obviously, it's not going to be enough to train you, but I got an idea of how this clip works and how this, you know, lifting works and, you know, how, how, how it functions. And it actually, to be quite honest, taught me a lot more than maybe somebody else verbally describing it to me because I could see it without really having it in front of me. So in, in my view, it's, it's um, another area that we can work on. But, you know, without, with everything, there are pitfalls, you know. And, and just like we talked about the iRobot, you know, uh, what are the legal ramifications and mistakes? Missed polyps, who owns that? If you're using AI and it misses a polyp and you miss it, I mean, obviously, if you're missing something, that medical legal could follow on you. But if you're using AI, what are the ramifications of using it? What are the ramifications of not using it? You know, um, it's not standard care today, but... If it's offered at a majority of the centers in your community, then it kind of becomes, um, you know, satiric here. And then what do you do if there's a missed lesion or a missed cancer or something like that? So I think something to think about. One of the concerns I have had is um, expert versus non-expert endoscopist. Obviously, anything that makes you a better endoscopist is better for your patients and it's better for healthcare. Um, but there is the concern, and, and I'm you know, not going to state my opinion either way on this at the moment, but there is a concern that the use of AI may allow people who are not trained in endoscopy to pick up a scope and do an equivalent job to a well-trained person. Um, and what I'm getting at right there is uh, nurse endoscopists or APP endoscopists, which are being, you know, done routinely in, in, not routinely, but commonly in England and the UK. And there are a few training programs in the United States, and you do have some of that, um, you know, going on. And it's a big debate. It's on Twitter, on LinkedIn. There's a lot of these arguments going back and forth about the scope of medicine and, and who should be doing what. And I totally do off topic that I don't want to get into because that's not the purpose. But it is something to think about that, it could become an equalizer. Um, and what does that mean for the future of GI fellowship training, and what does it mean 
for our jobs, et cetera. So it's, it's fascinating, um, something that to think about, um, but it, it is extremely an important um, feel, uh, thought. Um, so in conclusion, I think today, I mean, I just wanted to give a brief overview of artificial intelligence in the GI world. Uh, obviously, we talked a little bit about CAD-E and CAD-X. There's so much more to learn about this, so much more to see. It's an extremely exciting time, especially if you're a tech nerd like I am, and I would believe most interventional endoscopists are uh, a little nerdy on the technology side. So it really is something to watch out for. Um, I think it's going to make us better at detection. I do think it's going to help us with diagnosis in the future. But where I also really am excited is seeing what will happen in the future with, um, you know, efficiencies. Will it help us with making better notes? Will it help us with improving time management in the endo unit? Also help us with uh, getting done with our days faster so we can go on with our lives. Um, and will it help us identify those patients who uh, would qualify for studies? And I, I think the answer to all those is yes. Um, and uh, one fascinating other thought that I'll, I'll leave everybody with is that what if, and, and this is something that Dr. Byrne talked about, and I had been thinking about it in parallel, but I, you know, it's great to know that somebody who's an expert in the field um, feels this way too, but what if we were able to get individualized medicine and recommendations for our patients? You know, you are able to put everything into your, your, your practice note or your visit note when you see the patient. And if the AI can go to that note and say, okay, this is a patient who has six family members with a colon cancer. This is a patient who has two uh, 11 millimeter polyps. This is the prep quality. It looks like this based off an AI uh, calculation that maybe it gives a personalized recommendation that for this patient in particular, in these circumstances, maybe their repeat colonoscopy should be in a year or two years. And maybe if it looks at those polyps and it helps you to detect that these are not adenomas, these are most likely hyperplastic, even though there are three of them, that maybe it's able to say, okay, for this situation, we, we can push it out to five or 10 years. So again, just, just a lot of fascinating things and more to come, and it's changing every day. Um, I'm fairly certain at the upcoming ACG meeting, or, or at least DDW, we're, we've already had a ton of uh, abstracts about AI, and it's just going to grow exponentially. Uh, with that being said, um, I, I do recommend that you join the societies because that's where a lot of the uh, information is going to be coming out on, you know, ASGE, ACG, AGA, fight, et cetera. And uh, like I like to say in, during all my podcasts, you know, physician suicides are quite high. Uh, many of us are struggling. Uh, and if you do know someone is struggling, reach out, be a resource for them. And if you are struggling, don't hesitate to ask for help. Uh, thank you again, and really appreciate everyone's attention and listening to this podcast. If you do have any suggestions or comments or criticisms, please let me know. Like I said, I'm available on LinkedIn at uh, under my name on Kubel Suchdev, or under Twitter at um, uh, SuchdevMD. Um, and feel free to give me messages. Um, and if you have any topics that you think I could uh, cover uh, that you want to hear about. I'm, I'd love to find the right people to talk to and even do an interview about it or something along those lines. So uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate your attention and uh, until the next uh, podcast.